Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of the Bengal Tiger Podcast. I'm Matthew Bruni. Joining me once again is Shay Dixon and Shay. We're one day away from football, week zero, um, and we are about eight, nine days from LSU football uh, against Florida State in Orlando. But how are you doing today? Doing well. Like you said, the countdown is upon us. I uh, I am excited. We talked about this, Billy and I, on the recruiting podcast. We've got a little football this weekend, but uh, it's just a little bit of a taste. I don't know how how high I can get on my excitement level for anything beyond that Notre Dame Navy game. Uh, that's across the pond, I guess. Yeah. Everything else to me is uh, I'll have it on. I'm more so waiting for next week. Yeah. Um, Jacksonville state UTEP doesn't, doesn't catch your attention there. He's not little law tech may watch La- that. Um, I'll take F- FIU. Now Caleb Williams and Southern Cal are coming on TV on Saturday night, but San Jose State. Yeah. Do we get Pac-12 Network on YouTube TV? I can't That's remember. A great a year question. Ago. That's a great question. I don't remember either. I know we get SEC Network, and I think we have Big Ten Network. I don't think Pac-12 Network is actually on there. Now that I think about it. Did they ever and we get, get their, ACC, uh... ACC Network too? Uh, like, yeah, I think Pac-12 is the only one we don't get. Did they uh, ever get their? TV issues figured out. Did Apple or everyone ever step up to the table and you'd have to ask Billy that question? Pack six games or whatever they're yeah. doing in two years. Yeah, you'd have to ask Billy that question. Billy's all knows everything. About well, Billy's on the ACC train now. He's out yeah, of the Pac-12 movement. The SMU has shifted to the other coast, leaving us, leaving uh, North Texas over there in the, in the American. But that's all right. That's all right. I actually I mean, think it's probably harder to find the Pac-12 network than Longhorn network. I think Longhorn network even came on YouTube TV for a time uh, back yeah. in the day. Yeah. So. So I yeah, but, we'll get to see no Caleb Williams. I'm guessing. Yeah. No Caleb Williams. Football's here though, um, and it was a interesting week where on Wednesday night after I was or as you know we were talking to players had. Josh Williams, Paris Shand, who was a really good interview. Paris Shand from Toronto, so he was very friendly, very nice guy. Um, who else? Damian Ramos, and there's one more who I'm forgetting. But regardless, right after we talked to the players, um, on my way home, Wilson Alexander from The Advocate breaks that Mason Smith is suspended for the first game of the year against Florida State for receiving an improper benefit this was, I believe they said 2021, early 2021, uh, if I remember correctly. Uh, so there was like, is this pre-NIL? Is this during NIL? You know, how, how does this work? And obviously this is not something that just came about. This is something that has been in the the mill for, you know, months, if not probably close to a year at this point with the NCAA knowing about this and trying to suspend him and Keishon Butte. Um and now it happens. They suspend him for the first game of the season, and it is against Florida State, which 
we'll talk about in a bit the impact, but nonetheless, it is a All-SEC, potential All-American type player that is suspended. Yeah, this was a guy I flirted with putting number one uh, all the way up until the release of our rankings of the top 40 players on the team. I debated putting him number one. Uh, the guy I ended up putting number one is someone in Harold Perkins who probably has to step up a bit in this game, at least in terms of the pass rush and what Mason brought there. Uh, but for those who missed it, Mason, as Maddie B said, well before the 2022 season and just before NIL got pushed through, at this point it was already a thing. It just had not been pushed through from the NCAA side yet. Uh, they were signing autographs. Uh, Matt Moscona here at ESPN 104.5 broke down what he had heard that things had gone south between Butte and the guy who had organized it. That guy turned them both into the NCAA. And they were taking suspensions a year ago at a game of their choosing. So we know that Butte last year missed one game, but it was for the birth of his son. He was suspended for that final game anyhow, uh, the bowl game. But he also missed the New Mexico game. And at the time, Brian Kelly had said that he had the flu or was battling the flu or something yeah. like that, wasn't it? He missed. He missed. I, he missed the New Mexico game. I thought for the birth of his child. I thought he missed the UAB game. Okay, UAB for, then, because he was quote unquote sick. And yes, was um, and we didn't really think much of it at the time. Nobody did. It was at that point. Kayshawn wasn't playing that well, and then he was in and yeah. out. And anyhow, Moscona said that Mason Smith was also going to choose a game that year, likely a New Mexico UAB, whatever it might be. But he gets hurt in game one, sits out all season because of an injury. And now this summer they found out you no longer get to choose the game. You've got to sit out the first game of the year. And that's Florida State. Moscona said that they obviously have tried appealing this. Remember, LSU is a school right now, even football-wise, it's on probation. So you're not going to have a lot of wiggle room there. Moscona said there was rumblings of them trying to get the grambling game moved into week zero. That wasn't going to work out logistically. That would be a whole thing. Um, so I know people have asked, are they going to, you know, dispute it or try to get a waiver, you know, whatever it is. I feel very good in saying that for how long they've known about this, they, they've done everything they can. If it's now a week out, it's that's the reality of the situation. The good news, Maddie B, I would say, if the silver lining, whatever it might be, is Brian Kelly and them did not find about, out about this week ago. So they've had the entire offseason and certainly the summer since finding out from the NCAA that it would be game one to get other guys ready to come up with a plan of what you're going to do without Mason Smith. And look, they navigated an, an entire season without Mason Smith last year. Now you're going to have to just do it in one game. People were like, well, the line didn't move all this stuff. No, I, I don't think any of that's ever going to happen. And, and certainly not with an interior defensive lineman, but he does bring such a good pass rush and does so much to demand attention in double teams that this is a very significant loss for him. You had a good piece. I think you hit the nail on the head. And we can kind of dive into this because people are asking, well, without Mason Smith, what happens? I think three names are important to watch. Um, but I'll let you start with the guy that you started with in the piece, a veteran, a nose tackle in Jacobian Guillory, who's been around this program, Matty B, a while now. And with Jaquel and Roy gone to the NFL, it's allowed now Jacobian to step into those first team reps at nose tackle. Uh, your thoughts kind of from what you saw over the summer and, and I guess I should say the spring and fall uh, about now how Jacobian fits into this uh, kind of puzzle piece uh, going into the Florida State game. Yeah, I, I remember us talking about it either before fall or right at the beginning of fall camp where it was 
Jacoby and Gilliard was getting first team reps, you know, for one of Makai Wingo or Mason Smith. And we were like, all right, that's interesting. But at the same time, Smith and Wingo are not direct replacements for Jaquel and Roy and the role that he played last year. So that was our, you know, question mark was how they, they've had a nose tackle. You know, they had a nose tackle the entire year last year, whether it was Roy or Guillory. They plugged in zero technique guys, you know, that whole time. And that's partially, you know, what made their, their depth so interesting. They couldn't play any, they didn't play anybody else, but still, Guillory got snaps there last year and then start fall camp. He got some starting reps and we're like, Oh, this is interesting. They're probably preparing for the eventual, you know, suspension to a degree, but for the rest of camp, it was Smith and Wingo getting those starting reps. So I, I'm not saying they can't play or start Wingo and Smith together, but based on what they did last year, they Madhouse likes having a nose tackle and Guillory gives them that. Um, So again, whether he starts or not, he would have played a lot of snaps regardless. Um, you know, we haven't even mentioned the fact that Mason Smith has been in and out of fall camp because of injury. So that is another thing that I think Guillory very much was going to be a huge part of this game regardless. So if Mason Smith was going to give you 40 snaps or so, you know, you kind of that's how I approached the game go anyways. But now he's giving you zero. So now there's a lot more pressure on Guillory to step up. Um, we'll get to the other players that that like you mentioned there. But Guillory is the one that true knows makes a lot of sense starting in this game and i think from that perspective if you're an lsu fan looking for the silver lining like you said it's like this isn't going to shake up their scheme you very much have guillory in a position where he played last year and where jaquel and roy played last year and then makai wingo you know next to roy they started the mississippi state game i used that screenshot in our um story in the story that i wrote roy wingo that's a very familiar duo and a familiar scheme for LSU there. So that that's the good news. When you talk about, this is what I think you mine the transfer portal for is depth, but also depth can mean you have enough for a rotation, but depth also means when someone goes down, you have a reliable guy that can step up and you look at Jordan Jefferson, not that Jordan Jefferson, a different one, LSU fans, this kid has played at West Virginia Someone who has played Florida State a number of times over the year, four-year player at West Virginia, Matty B. He's got, and I've got an article coming on this, but um, right now, uh, and if I'm not counting Jay Bramplett, um, who has 51, every game he's ever played in in college, he's been the starting punter uh, more than 50 games. In that top five grouping, uh, or close to it, at least in terms of uh, appearances, uh, people who have played more than 40 games, he's on it. And he's got nearly 20 starts in college as well. So you would have to think that experience can get you by in this one. And I don't know if Jordan Jefferson brings at all what Mason Smith brings. I haven't seen him play for LSU yet, but that's a lot of like, if you've played in 40 something college games and you started two seasons of college games in the ACC and you're playing Florida state, like, you know what to expect. Yeah. So you get Jordan Jefferson in there um Jalen Lee as well and then I mentioned Fitzgerald West in the piece and so those are the three guys that I have as your rotation defensive tackles assuming Parashan stays at defensive end which it looks like he is um Jordan Jefferson is the one I was really high on coming out of the the transfer portal you get him and you watch his tape and um somebody made a thread about it on our on our board of Jordan Jefferson highlights it's like yeah this guy is a legitimately good player that's going into his final year and 
I, I thought I said the entire offseason he was going to be their third best defensive tackle. Whether that's still him or Guillory, you know, you can debate, but he's up there for this team. So I see Jordan Jefferson getting a big role, um, an increased role um, in this game. And then Jalen Lee is uh, kind of that true nose tackle as well. I think he steps in for Guillory in a lot of snaps and gets a lot of reps. Uh, Fitzgerald West is the wild card there. I can see him going either way, but I I still feel good about the defensive tackle depth. And we have to remember last year when Mason Smith goes down, there's there's no depth really. Correct. They they liked Guillory, but I don't know how much they trusted Guillory compared to where he is now. Um, as pretty evident from them just not playing him, uh, them playing Roy and Wingo into the ground. So I they're at a better spot depth wise this year for sure. How much as we wrap up this Mason Smith discussion? How much does, if at all, the role change for Harold Perkins without Mason Smith? Like, do you have to manufacture more through Perkins to make up for what you lost with Smith, or do you just trust that hey, we can put in Guillory, Jordan Jefferson, these other guys, and yeah. just keep going as planned? I, I still think they're gonna need to alter and I don't want to say alter because they knew about this again they they knew about this suspension so they they've planned for this but as far as Harold Perkins as an inside linebacker I think they do need to have him attacking more and I've said this throughout the offseason since basically the spring is that they're going to need him as a pass rusher in this game specifically because they need Jordan Travis to be uncomfortable and I said that before Mason Smith was suspended and now with Mason Smith suspended there is a big difference going from Mason Smith to Guillory or Jefferson to me personally. Um, we heard the entire offseason about how Mason Smith commands a double team, how he commands your attention. All of that is true. And now he's not there. I think you need Harold Perkin to command the offense's attention in a different way, but you know, in a similar type of vein. So I do think it changes Harold Perkins, his approach and kind of what you need from him. I mean, I just think – I think this game is – I think with the questions in the secondary and with how good Jordan Travis is and how comfortable Florida State's offense is with the returning talent they have, you you just have to make Jordan Travis uncomfortable. Like that is going to be my number one point of emphasis, number one must do. Jordan Travis has to be uncomfortable in this game for LSU to win. And I know it sounds – crazy here and we'll get into more Florida State talk um yeah, as the week sure. goes on and we'll preview this game all that I I think that you if you're LSU you would prefer and I know that Florida State's got all the talent in the world at receiver I know that LSU's got some question marks in the defensive backfield most notably at corner maybe at least some unproven guys at this level in the SEC but you'd rather make Jordan Travis beat you with his arm than his legs mm-hmm. and there is just a thought that Jordan Travis's arm is not as good as some of these other high level quarterbacks in college football right now, but what he can do is also be beat you with his legs. And if they can corral that and force Jordan Travis, but be uncomfortable while throwing the football, I think that's the route you want to go. Yeah. I, I, we saw last year him, I mean, beat LSU both ways pretty much. So you're going to have to, take something away and uh if nothing else i do think harold perkins limiting his scrambling ability and for the entire season every quarterback they play harold perkins limiting the scrambling ability of their quarterbacks in an era where dual threat quarterbacks are basically the norm now having harold perkins who is basically uh he can shut the water off in that regard is is massive so that's 
there's a, a lot of intricacies we'll get into this this week as we prepare for Florida State, but to this is a huge wrinkle to throw into it, Mason Smith being out. We um we'll talk more about it as we get into the week, but we are before the season, we did want to offer up some of our uh, predictions on the season in different ways. Uh, let's start off, I guess, with some stat predictions for kind of the top three guys that you look at on the stat sheet that will probably jump out each weekend uh, after games and certainly will play a big role in deciding a lot of these games. Then we'll get into uh, some of our predictions on the biggest games. Sleeper all SEC pick is uh, a topic you wanted to hit on. Toughest game outside of that Bama FSU matchup. So uh, a lot to get to that we'll run through on this podcast, but let's start it out uh, with the starter, the starting quarterback, Jaden Daniels. A year ago, Matty B uh, throws for two thousand nine hundred and thirteen yards, so just short of three thousand. Seventeen touchdowns, only three picks. He rushes for a team best eight hundred and eighty-five yards, eleven touchdowns. Where are we looking at Jaden landing this season? So, again, a year ago, just short of a 3,000-yard passer and about 100 yards short of a 1,000-yard rusher. And um, only two guys in college football passed for more than 2,000 and rushed for more than 800. So him and John Reese Plumley. So you're in a very dual-threat mindset here. How do you kind of go either up and down uh, with your total yardage, your touchdowns, your rushing you know, numbers? Yeah, and an important note is this will only be, or my at least for me, is prediction for the regular season, 12 games. Um, obviously. Uh, yeah, I just gave year, you 14 games worth of stats there. So Yeah, but Georgia was a half a game, and Purdue was basically a half a game. So, you know, you piece those together. In those games, he had 208 yards against Georgia. We have to remember how good of a first half he played against Georgia. Like, he was really good against Georgia in the first half. And then Nussmeier came in and was really good as well. That That Georgia game for anybody, if they just don't, you know, mess everything up to, to put it politely uh, with the special team stuff. They had a shot there. But anyways, uh, so you're taking away 208 yards against Georgia and 139 against uh, Purdue. One, two touchdowns in total and one pick um, basically from his season stats. So, again, we're looking at about 20, what, that 2,600 yards, 15 touchdowns, two picks last year in 12 games with a 68% completion percentage. Um, I do think those numbers go up. I think they rise. Um, I think we're going to see more consistency. You're not going to have games like Auburn where he had was 8 for 20 for 80 yards and zero touchdowns. Um, he, Arkansas, he was 8 of 15. He was also sick, but 8 of 15, 86 yards, one pick. I just don't think you see those games this year. I think there's a different level of trust and a different level of comfort. So um, if, we, if I can assume him to be at 12 games – 250 would put him at what 3,000 yards 3,000 is an interesting number I would I'm gonna put him at about I'll put him at 3,000 I'll put him right at 3,000 touchdowns and interceptions where it gets interesting because if we assume him to be a little bit more aggressive I will put him he'll jump from 15 touchdowns this year to I still think they rush for a lot of touchdowns but I'll put him at 21 21 touchdowns, and I think his interceptions go up to probably about five, six. I'm going to say six. So 3,000, 21 touchdowns, and six interceptions. That's my that's my guess. I want to remind people, or at least give you an idea. Um, last year, only, and this is, again, 
getting the whole season here. So George is going to be inflated a bit, but uh, Stetson Bennett went over 4,000 yards, um, just over 4,127 passing a year ago, but they had one, two, three, four, five total, including Bennett go over 3,000. Will Rogers at Mississippi state. That's a very pass heavy offense, but Bryce Young did it. Hendon Hooker did it. And Spencer Rattler at South Carolina. I would, if I'm picking out any of those numbers, I'm going closer to Spencer Rattler's numbers, which would have mm -hmm. been just over 3,000 yards. But Spencer Rattler was heavy on the interceptions, which I don't think Jaden will be. He was uh, careful with the ball a year ago. I'll put him more into the hooker range. And look, Hendon Hooker at Tennessee last year threw 27 touchdowns and only two picks. I mean, that is absolutely efficient. I don't think Jaden gets there. But... 17, as you said, 15 in the regular season. I think he gets over 20. And I have to remember, which we're about to touch on this guy here in a second, Malik only had three touchdowns last yeah. year. Like that's to get a thousand yards and only three touchdowns is very difficult to do. It's almost like you have to be trying. And that's, I just think that Malik's number skyrocket. So I'll go 3,000. I'll go 23 touchdowns passing. And then I'll throw in my rushing numbers again. Last year, he was 885 yards, 11 touchdowns. Mm -hmm. I think that number comes down a shade because I think they want to be able to throw it more. And they also have a lot of running backs. And I just think there's other ways to move the ball. I'll give it a flat 810 touchdowns on the ground. So we're looking at. 30 plus touchdowns and close to 4,000 all purpose yards, which would be an excellent season. If you had to go, I'm assuming you would go, if you had to pick over under 3,000 yards for tra for uh, Daniels, would you lean over? Yes. Yeah. I'll lean over. Um, yeah. In large part because I think that, and again, maybe if I'm including the bowl game, I'll go over. I don't know if they'll make an SEC championship or whatever if they get into the playoffs, but. If it's 13 games, I'll go over. I think he gets over 3,000. If if Rattler did it a year ago, turning it over the rate he did, I think that Daniels can do it this year. And I just think that there will be – in total, I think you summed it up really well. I don't think there will be those Arkansas and Auburn games in there where basically you leave those two weeks and you've got 100 and something yards passing combined. Like, I don't yeah. think that happens. So, so you avoid those type of games. I think he goes over 3,000 yards. Um, real quick before we move on, because we spend a lot of time on this, but um, I think those with a Jaden Daniels Heisman ticket are a little disappointed, though. I think they're like, because it, it, you're not winning Heisman with, albeit the rushing yards included, make it very impressive, but you're not in that discussion if you only have 21 touchdowns to five picks. It, so he is going to need a bit more. If, if we're looking at him through a Heisman lens, which a lot of people are looking through him through that lens, I do think he'll need a little bit more in the passing range. Obviously, some of this will be LSU's team success, too. If LSU goes 12-0, 11-1, he'll be in that discussion. But um, need a little bit more there. Even Stetson Bennett last year. Um, and obviously, this includes all the playoff games and stuff. So you know, make of it what you will. But uh, 4,100 4, uh, yards, 27 touchdowns, 7 picks. So he wasn't great. But you know, we probably need a little bit more on the stats side from uh, Jaden if we're going to do. Um, uh, for a perspective, and I think anyone riding a Jaden Daniels Heisman ticket is also riding LSU being correct. a playoff team, an SEC title contender, yes. and then at the end of the year, it's sort of like, okay, who is the best player on your team? Oh, it was your quarterback. 
He's in New York now. You've got a shot at the Heisman. Uh, here's to give you some perspective. And I know LSU fans, it's, the Joe Burrow year was ridiculous <laughs> to win the Heisman. But even a year ago, Caleb Williams, 4,500 yards passing, 42 touchdowns, five picks, and he rushed for close to okay. 400 yards yeah. and double-digit touchdowns. Yeah. Those are tough numbers to get past for anybody. Like, there's been no back-to-back Heisman winners. You put that up again, he's winning the Heisman again. And he is the odds-on favorite. Yeah, so that's – unless USC falls off a cliff, which I don't really see that happening, but we'll we'll see. But anyways, that's – I did want to make that little point because I know a lot of people are looking at this season as Jaden Daniels should be in the Heisman discussion. I think our, the numbers that we said are, are good if LSU has a really good year, but he's going to need to do, obviously, I think – probably around like 3,400 passing yards and, um, you know, maybe 25 touchdowns to three picks or something like that. So not far off of our numbers, but there's a difference between good and great. I love that the news of this week was uh, with the anticipation of the EA Sports NCAA video game coming back this summer that Caleb Williams said, I'm not on board right now with the money that they'll give the 500 bucks or whatever that they'll give yeah. everybody for being on the game. It's like, Caleb, you're going to be on Madden. You're not even in the game next year. I don't know why you're even part of this debate right that now. That is, that's a really good uh, point. I guess I that's the new age that. way of being like, am I going pro or not? Oh, I'm just going to yell about the video game that have, comes out next year. Like, I'm not sure. I haven't decided if I'm in the video game yet. I did, oh, I didn't even th- come I didn't on now. About that. That's a good one. You got to no, no, get no, it. Me? No, me, I'm getting the game. I meant uh, Caleb, Caleb Williams. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no he's I'm out. Kidding. He doesn't. He's. We're moving on. You're going to the NFL. Um, all right. Here's a wild stat line, and this will be an interesting debate here. Malik Neighbors led the team last year, went over a thousand yards. The first LSU receiver to do that since the national championship team. Obviously, they had Jefferson and Chase uh, both go over a thousand yards. But as I noted, something very tough to do: average more than seventy yards a game, but only score three touchdowns all year. That number has to go up, right? Now, here's the question. Where are we landing on receiving yards and touchdowns for arguably the best player on LSU's offense? And you want to know an even crazier thing is two of the touchdowns came, one against Georgia, one against Purdue. And remember, he had that long long, um, sweep-type play uh, that went for a touchdown against Purdue. So one touchdown in the regular season for Malik Neighbors last year. That is absurd um, you remember what the, game it was i'm looking at it now so i don't uh, you're cheating yeah I, I i have i have the game log over in front of me and it is against southern so there you yeah, go that is so not even a big game a game where everybody was scoring yeah everybody except garen nussmeyer but yeah it's um that that is a very interesting stat one that i can't really wrap my head around but yeah i i do think and he had nine receptions against purdue five against uh georgia so uh, those stats are he, he ended the regular season with about what 800 yards and you subtract 14 from 72 gets you to 58. So 52, 58 receptions for about 800 yards, one touchdown. Um, we know what Malik neighbors is capable of. We've seen him in fall camp. I believe he's the best player on the team right now on the team. I'll, I'm going to put that out there just because of how good he's played in the fall. Obviously, you know, Harold's Perkins and guys like that are very good as well, but um, I think this is a big jump. I think we see the numbers that he put up after the bowl game in the regular season this time. Like we see it in a 12 game sample set instead of 14. Um, I, I, if honestly, I'm putting it at 75 receptions. 
I think that's how reliant this team is going to be on Malik Neighbors this year. And I've seen offenses built around one elite receiver, and I've seen them put up 75 catches, no problem. I, heck, go call Billy. Rasheed Rice had 96 last year. J- Jalen at SMU. Jalen Hyatt last year had 67. Marvin Harrison Jr. 77 last year. Like, Emeka Buka, uh, 74. Like, I think he's very much in that 75 reception range. And because of how good he is, but also how much better he is than everybody else on this team. And then also receiving uh, receiving yards-wise, that puts him over 1,000. The question is how much over 1,000. Uh, they're going to need to be more explosive, but I think that they are. And I think we saw last year in the Purdue game how, you know, his potential. So I'll put him at about 75 receptions, 1,100 yards. It's a massive season in a regular season context. So we're talking about about 90 yards per game. And then touchdowns. Yeah, give me the touchdowns. Touchdowns, touchdowns, touchdowns. Um, I, Again, all the players that I named, Jalen Hyatt, Marvin Harrison, all of them had over 10 touchdowns last year. I can't make the jump from three to, to um uh, 10 or 11. I think he puts up a similar – Statline, I watched a lot of Wake Forest last year. A.T. Perry had 81 for 1,100 yards for 11 touchdowns. Put me at 10 touchdowns from Lake Neighbors. I'll be comfortable with that. Look at you. Okay, I'm going Monster. just over 1,000 yards, 11 touchdowns. I'll go above your touchdown total okay. and hit 11. Just one-up me. Wheel of Fortune it me. Is, yes, that, th- that one touchdown all season, it only coming against Southern is such an odd stat line. Another one, he got to a thousand yards and he never went over more than 80 yards in a single SEC game beyond Georgia, uh, which obviously is the SEC championship game. Regular season wise, he didn't. So, oh, well, he must have had those games where he went for 190 in two games. No, it was just a bunch of 60, 60, 70, 70, 60, 50, 70. Very consistent. I think if he's that consistent again, but ups it by 15, 20 yards a game, you're right over a thousand yards and he's going to, that touchdown mark is going to rise in a hurry. I'm with you. I'll go 11 just to beat your 10, but I do think we see a thousand yard receiver with double digit touchdowns in Malik neighbors. And that is, that's a hell of an effort because again, as you just noted, you went around the country. There's only one guy in the sec who did that last year. That was Jalen Hyatt, who was, in the most explosive offense as the most explosive player. 19 yards per reception. Yeah, I mean, that's ridiculous. I mean, there were people can remember if you watched Tennessee games, you saw highlights last year, he was just like wide open for 70-yard touchdown <laughs> bombs like all season long. Malik's yeah. a totally different player than that. He's going to grind out his numbers more than Jalen Hyatt would. But I do think that we've seen it. He's already been a 1,000-yard receiver. He's got the capability. I'll go a 1,000, a little over a 1,000 with 11 touchdowns. Yeah, that's I'm just if if he doesn't end up having the year that we just said, I will be surprised. And I don't know what to make of what I watched over the last two weeks of fall camp. That dude is he's a different level right now. And he's also I've made this point before real quick. He's also clearly the number one option to Jaden Daniels and Jaden Daniels head like nothing else. I'm throwing the ball to Malik neighbors open covered. It doesn't matter. Like he's he's getting the ball. If if I'm in doubt, Malik Neighbors is getting the damn ball, and that's why I think he goes 75 receptions this year. He's nope, I'm with you. I've said that on the podcast. I think there's going to be so many situations where Jaden and Malik have to bail them out of third and long, whatever it might be, in crunch time. 
And that's just going to be understood that that's the route they're going. Um, We want to do three guys that we were picking stats on. So let's jump to defense. 40 turn number four, Harold Perkins making the move from edge to linebacker. He'll still be used in a variety of ways. A year ago, true freshman, took the nation by storm, 72 tackles, 13 tackles for loss, seven and a half sacks, four forced fumbles. He had a pick. Again, these are numbers through the bowl game. He played again in the Georgia game. So this is the entire season. Now, granted, Matty B, you can almost look at that through a lens of 12 games because Florida State, he was playing on special teams and he really didn't get into the mix until I guess you could say, you know, the start of SEC play, Mississippi State, they were starting to lean on him more and he was really out there and he recorded his first career sacks and stuff like that. So those numbers are about on par with predicting what a regular season could be. I've already gotten mine written out, so I'll get to go first here. Go ahead. Uh, I'm going 85 tackles, 18 tackles for loss, 10 sacks and five forced fumbles. So a year ago, his average was about six tackles a game. I'm giving him a little over seven tackles a game, and I will bump up those tackles for loss, sacks, forced fumbles, all by a few. A reasonable amount, yeah. Um, I'm going to go a little higher on tackles, but the rest, I might be a lower. I, I think I'm around 90 tackles. I, I think that I feel comfortable with that. I just think him being on the field for more snaps, for significantly more snaps, puts him in position to make some maybe tackles he didn't have last year. So tackle-wise, I'm between 90 and 95, um, and I feel pretty good about that. And then tackles for loss, you were at, what, 18, you said? And I'm going to go with – I'll go with 16. I'll go with 16 tackles for loss. Um, no, 17 tackles for loss, and then I think the sack numbers is maybe what – doesn't quite get all the way there this year, but I'm still going to have him at eight and a half, which I think would be a pretty damn good year. So I'm at 90 tackles total, uh, 16, 17 tackles for loss and, and uh, eight sacks, eight and a half sacks. So, and uh, probably yeah, three or four force fumbles as well, which is massive. So the, I'm going to make sure I have this right here. Um, I'll tell you what I was, I, I put out the theory on Twitter a few weeks ago. It's like, can Harold Perkins have 100 tackles, 20 tackles for loss, and 10 sacks? And I think that's very much in the realm of possibility. And somebody asked if that wins him the Heisman or puts him in the Heisman discussion. And I was like, Will Anderson, three years ago or two years ago, put up like 115 tackles and, you know, 30 something tackles for loss and almost like in like 15 sacks. And he came in fifth in the Heisman voting. That's... And I'm like, yeah, they just. Yeah, and Tyron Matthew didn't win the Heisman. He had maybe the greatest season we've seen defensively in the past couple decades. Uh, I will point this out because this will be fun to watch. And maybe it'll be fun to watch. It will be fun to watch this year and next year. LSU's all-time single-season sack leader is Arden Key. He sacked Lamar Jackson in that Louisville Bowl game. A handful of years back, that would have been 2016. So that was sack number 12. So 12 is the number. Perkins is already in the top 10. He had eight and a half as a true freshman. Can he flirt with that number? And he already is if he's at eight and a half. How close does he get to that? Because even only three players in LSU history have hit double-digit sacks. Uh, Radom Lawson, Gabe Northern uh, in the 90s, and then Arden Key in 2016, as I mentioned. 
Uh, Marcus Spears had nine back on that 04 team. Sam Montgomery, Slam and Sam had nine on that 2011 national championship team. Tyson Jackson, who was a top three pick, uh, is tied with Harold Perkins with eight and a half on that 2006 team. So can he, I do think he gets more than eight and a half. What did I have written down? Um, Ten. I had 10. 10 would put him tied for third in single season sacks. It's a big number. It's huge. But it, why oh. does it not seem that big for Harold Perkins? It doesn't because if they actually blitz him and they use him, I'm not even say say the same way. Everybody on this list is a D lineman too. Perkins mm-hmm. is the one here who's getting blitzed all the time. Yeah, that's gonna be how it's gonna be how they use him this year. The percentage of the time where they blitz him compared to don't blitz him and so on and so forth. If they blitz him a fairly high amount, he can get to ten no problem. And that's what I'm gonna be interested to see. That's. One of the biggest storylines of this year is how do they use Harold Perkins? So we will don't find stray out. too far from what he does the best. Go and disrupt the whomever has the football. Um, all right, let's take a quick uh, break here. Uh, a shout out to uh, to Andy Ludicky and uh, the folks at MyPerfectFranchise.net. Uh, are you ready to leave the corporate rat race for the American dream? You're looking for the new side hustle while working your current job. Wanting to diversify, build wealth, or just leave a legacy for your family, Andy can help you out. Uh, we've been rolling with Andy. We've done it before, um, right when we launched the site. We're getting going again this football season. He's linked up with a lot of on three sites, but he's a franchise consultant. He owns a bunch of franchises, uh, but can help you find a franchise that fits your skill set, your financial requirements, how much time you've got to commit to it, all of that. Check him out. His services are 100% free. He can talk you through whatever you want to know about um, kind of getting into the franchise world, uh, dipping your toe, whether it's wanting to take over a franchise, whether that it's wanting to get in kind of on a semi part-time uh, approach, but my perfect franchise contact Andy at 404-973-9901. That's 404-973-9901 or get on myperfectfranchise.net. You can also email him, Andy, A-N-D-Y, at myperfectfranchise.net. A lot of people, we've already had three or four tell us that they've reached out to Andy uh, over the past couple of weeks. He's already linked up with them, had multiple phone calls. We've talked with Andy on the phone before about Mm kind of how he runs his business, and um, it's taken off in a big way. Uh, So you guys give Andy a look. Again, if you're wanting to check out franchises, just know more about them. Myperfectfranchise.net is the way to go. Matty B, we're done predicting stats. Let's uh, have a little fun with the actual uh, games here. Um, and you wrote down a good one. We've got the roundtable uh, over the weekend on Saturday for folks who want to check out all of our thoughts in the season with a lot more questions. But you asked, what is the toughest game of the year if you take Alabama and then this Florida State opener, a top 10 game, off the schedule or off your options? What is the most tough game? I didn't blink when answering this one, and I didn't even try to convince myself out of it. Are you in the same boat? I don't – I am I might be, but I don't think – I don't know. You kind of scared me there because I had to think about it a bit. <laughs> it's Texas so, A&M, isn't it? Okay. From a talent perspective, Texas A&M is the most talented team LSU will play, and now it's just a debate of if they figure it out this year. And I think a talent – and for me, to the – the date and the importance of it's the last game of the year. We saw this past year. They win that game. They're going to a New Year's Six Bowl. They lost it. 
they lose your now you're in Orlando at the Cheez It Bowl or whatever it is, the old Citrus Bowl yeah. is. And that's a big jump. Like you, yes, you got the double digit wins, but God, would it have been great had you gotten to a New Year's Six Bowl in year one and you had gone to the SEC championship? All that sounds a lot better. And I have said that the floor for this team should be a New Year's Six Bowl this year. That means getting to through November and being in the race for the SEC, but closing it out strong. And Maddie B, it comes down to, look, what if they're in that game, one game left, and they know they're not going to the SEC championship? Do they still have that focus and that drive to say, we can put it together? Because a year ago, they knew they were going to the SEC championship. It didn't really matter. And they went out and got rolled on by a and I mean, A&M couldn't put it together against Appalachian State. And they crushed LSU. They couldn't have put it together like two weeks before against UMass, barely. No, it was, it was terrible. Uh, A&M has way too much talent for that. I don't know what a is going to look like by then. I don't know. What, I have a feeling of what LSU looks like, but we'll see. I just think that for me, no doubt, the combination of talent and the importance of where it is on the schedule makes that one the toughest game. I, I probably agree. I'm probably going to agree. This is the one question I put on the podcast that's going to be on our, our um, round table. I'm probably going to put AM because I do think there's a sense of AM. I don't think they're going to be great, but I think they figured it out enough to be competent this year. And there's too much talent at receiver. I think Wegman's a good quarterback. Like, I think there's just an defensively, I think they're solid as well, obviously. Like, oh, yeah. I think there's just too much talent here to not figure it out. And I do think Petrino, to a degree, will get them right offensively. So, um, I do think they are the third best team LSU plays. Um, honorable mentions, or if you want to look at other teams, I would only look at the road games here because I have basically the the rest of the SEC West in a similar type tier to where, like, it can go anywhere. Like, I think AM is third, and then after that you go into Arkansas, Mississippi State, Ole Miss, and you can kind of convince me um, – any of those teams. And then you throw Florida and Missouri in the mix. And I actually like Missouri's team this year quite a bit. I did those, all those uh, previews ranking the uh, opponents, like the top five defensive or secondaries LSU plays and whatnot. Missouri kept coming up. Like they were a really good defense last year. So that's a sneaky game on the road. Uh, But I would probably look at Mississippi state or Ole Miss as potentially being, you know, potential slip up games there. Um, Just because we know what those teams kind of, well, we know what Ole Miss is. Mississippi State, obviously, coaching, um, you know, new coach, uh, new offense, all that stuff. We'll see how that plays out. So I would probably go at Ole Miss would be my next pick, I think, just because I can't really discern a next toughest opponent. So I'll go at Ole Miss. I, I like that pick as well. Uh, here's the good news, LSU fans. Devin Chain now plays for the Dolphins. So <laughs> they yeah. could not stop him last year. Well, uh, yeah, and that goes back to no defensive line depth. That goes back to everybody being exhausted. Um, and that goes back to hopefully them having more depth this year, LSU. So um, that will be a big deal in that AM game, especially. Um, we'll have to see. I uh, Let's see. Okay, so we, we're in agreement there. Let's see. Bolt prediction. <clears throat> we'll obviously be picking different things. This is vague, Matty B. Uh, Very vague. You just say make a bold prediction and we can bold. pick anything. So. Anything. Yeah, you set the tone here uh, as I continue to mull over which of my options running around my head I want to choose because this could be player, coach, game. I don't know. You tell me. 
Yeah, I did leave. I did. I left this very open ended without uh, answering it beforehand, which was not smart by me. Um, I'll say if I'll, I'll give you a team one first. If this team beats Florida State, they're going twelve and zero. That's that's my, that's my bold prediction. I think Florida State is the toughest matchup on the schedule. I think this. The, the the energy right now, the weird like feeling I have about this Florida State game right now is like I, I don't know how it's gonna go. I'm literally on the fence right now for how I how I'm gonna predict this game. Um and that could change in the next week. But if they get through Florida State without Mason Smith and Mason Smith then comes back and is healthy for the rest of the season, I just I look at the schedule and I don't think it's a tough schedule outside of Alabama and potentially AM. I mean, they're going to start rolling wins. I think Mississippi State's the worst team in the West, personally. So you look at Grambling, Mississippi State, I think those are two wins. Arkansas at home, I don't think Arkansas is great this year. I think that's a win. Again, then you go Ole Miss, Missouri, Auburn, Army. Like, where are the – and I understand it's the SEC West. You're going to probably be in some damn dog fights. But, like, then you get Alabama, and I hate Alabama's quarterback situation. I understand their talent. They are – I think they have the highest blue chip ratio in history this year, something like that. I heard. Not no surprise. An incredible amount after the last three classes, but anyways, Bama really tough. Then Florida, Georgia State, A&M. So, all I'm saying is, if you get through Florida State, I'm having a tough time seeing this team not be a playoff team, and that's my bold prediction. Uh, if they beat Florida State, they go undefeated. Yeah, your twelve and zero thing now is that's bolder than I was going. I was yeah, going. The thing is, I didn't just say they're going twelve and zero. I said if they beat Florida State. So then, the, if they lose to Florida State. They I have, have to no... beat Florida State to even have potential to go twelve and zero. You're, yes, I'll is... say that they do not lose a game until November. Okay. And you've got Bama at Bama. You've got Florida at home, and then you've got A and M at home. Having those two games at home sets up very well. Bama on the road makes it very tough. Uh, it yes, is just tough to win there. It is for sure historically for any team. And now you toss out stuff like the best blue chip, highest blue chip ratio ever. They're always going to have talent. They're going to have it on their mind that they lost that game a year ago. It'll be rocking. So I think that there is more of a threat to lose a game then. But I will say that LSU does not lose a game till November. And as you noted, you go through, you feel almost as if you can say, because Arkansas's at home, that's huge. KJ Jefferson will be back. Like, yeah. had KJ Jefferson played that game a year ago, they probably would have lost. Yes. Like, they had. Fortunately, he was not playing, and Malik Hornsby was, and Arkansas couldn't move the football either. So, having that game at home, I honestly think that's one of going to be one of their biggest t- tests ahead of November. But you get by Florida State, then it's just. As you said, yeah, you're on the road against Mississippi State. They might be the worst team in the West. You know, we'll see what Hugh Freeze's Auburn side does. But you get through that Arkansas game. You have to go back on the road to Ole Miss, who's a top 25 team. But you're more talented than Ole Miss. Like, you should win that game. Then it's Missouri. It's Auburn. It's Army. And then it's a bye. And then you're in November. So it's not daunting. And obviously, for both of us, it comes with this caveat of you've got to beat Florida State. So, the toughest test is out of the gates. Don't sleep on that Arkansas game as a tough test. But I do think that bold prediction-wise, I say that LSU doesn't have any road bumps until November. See, I, I just – yeah. I think 
it's like I have a major coin flip for Florida State, and then after that, it's like if the, if they win it, then I'm okay. Then I'm like, okay, I feel great because that's the game I'm have an uneasy feeling about right now. All right. Um, I think we got one more. What do we have? Sleep, uh, sleeper All SEC pick. So with ooh, player okay. here, obviously for that one. Um, sleeper All SEC pick. The first one that came to mind. Well, there's two. Uh, well, the first one that came to mind, though, I'll say this one. I'll say Zy Alexander. I think there is a shot that Zy Alexander has a really, really, really good year. And this LSU defense, if this LSU defense is really good, Zy can be like the focal point of the secondary, almost to where that's like when you watch an LSU broadcast, it's like Zy Alexander, you know, you got to, you know, he's 6'2", long, you know, guarding the other team's best receiver every every um game so i I think there's a a chance for zai to emerge as that kind of cornerback one and that would be an awesome story we talked to zai also on wednesday that was the guy i forgot we talked to zai so um rooting for him hope he does well this year um i just think if this defense is going to be really good they're going to need some him to step up specifically is it my pick it is your pick okay i'm going uh i'm going omar space who did not land on is that any a of the it, well he wasn't on okay. the preseason right. all SEC teams go true. third team three deep and he's not on any of them true very true so he'll be a sleeper to the coaches or whatever SIDs <laughs> voted on this poll uh, yeah. that offered up six different linebackers none of which were Omar Spates yes Harold Perkins was on first team um, let me make sure I'm not lying to anybody here and making stuff up which I can be known to do on these podcasts uh, actually they're giving three linebackers some of these guys are edge rushers uh but perkins dallas turner at bama uh and dumas johnson at georgia second team is watson at mississippi state uh small mondon at uh, georgia and then jj weaver at kentucky and that was second team then third team would be tyrone hopper at missouri uh jet johnson at state and then chris braswell at bama so Omar Spates, nowhere to be found. Hey, only a guy who has played in 45 games, has 39 career starts, was all, what, all Pac-12 as a freshman, was a Pac-12 All-American a year ago, has played four seasons of football. So easy to forget when you've got Harold Perkins on the team that, oh, you've got another linebacker that is maybe the most experienced that came out of the transfer portal and LSU got him. Yes, I think Greg Pinn plays a good bit. I also think that some of these, uh, the Weeks brothers will be in a rotation. Harold's going to do a lot for him, but don't, I mean, Baskerville and Greg Pinn racked up tackles last year. Um, I think that Omar Spates will do that. If he can get in the mix with some forced fumbles, a pick, some turnovers, he's got all SEC type of opportunity in front of him. Let's do offense real quick. Let's just flip to offense since okay, I know, we, do offense. we didn't have that, but we both picked defense. I said if, if Shea picks a defensive player, we're going to force us to pick offense. Um, now, this is really, really tough. Obviously, that's why we didn't do it. But um, Shelton Sampson to the freshman All-SEC team feels very, very, very safe. I think Shelton Sampson will make All-SEC freshman team. I think he's going to get a ton of snaps this year. How many catches he gets, I don't fully know. Like, if you told me like 20, I'd feel like that's a lot for a freshman that's not in the starting lineup. But I think there's a chance he really breaks out this year, guys. So I, I could put, I could see 
Sheldon Sampson ending the year with like 22 catches and making all SEC freshman team. So um, I don't know if that's the right sleeper pick, but that's one that I, I wanted to throw out there real quick. If not, I'll let you I'll let you go then, um, so I don't take your pick. Well, there you wouldn't take my pick here. Uh, there's multiple at the end of the season. If we're saying all SEC, that doesn't necessarily mean you have to be first team. You could be second team, or maybe third team. I'm rocking with the guy that some people didn't even think would start. I'll go Charles Turner gets the mm. nod at center. Mm. And I think he went 10 straight games to end the season last year without a penalty. What was he named? The most valuable what? Most or most improved, improved player. Yeah, most, most improved, improved player on the team last year by the staff. This spring he sits out as he recovers from that uh, injury, surgery, whatever it was. Uh, and Marlon Martinez gets all the first team reps. We came back in fall camp really thinking, man, Turner might have to beat out Martinez. Oh, no, it was the other way around. Turner was right back as the starter and never got bumped from the position. I'm rocking with the guy who got to LSU at like 225 pounds or whatever it was, and and Orgeron had to start him out as a tight end. Charles Turner is an all-SEC somewhere on the first, second, third team list by season's end, which is really bold because now I'm voting that he's just going to start the whole time, which yeah. I'm not even sure everyone's buying that, but I'm riding. I'm in the I love that. camp. I love that. Give me uh, Aaron Anderson. Oh, I forgot about Aaron Anderson. <laughs> just I'll take him. Uh, specialist or could Special be returner. teams. Could be there receiver. you go. Could be receiver as well. So could be on there um, twice. That's how that works. All right. There are picks. There's our final off-season podcasts. We will start up um for a state prep we'll start up game week prep this week we'll have our mailbag out on monday and we'll get right back into the swing of things where we have monday mailbag tuesday recruiting uh we're gonna have a florida state guest on on wednesday to go behind the enemy lines friday's our preview sunday is the game it is here it is game week lsu versus florida state i'm ready I'm even yep. ready to watch these week zero games. UTEP versus Jacksonville State. I can't wait. Matty B's taking it all in. Everything except the Pac-12 network because he doesn't know where to find it. <laughs> Stream East. We'll be streaming it illegally. There you go. There you go. Don't, don't, don't mark us YouTube for that. I'm sorry. But anyways, um, that's all we got for y'all today. Hope you enjoyed the episode. Subscribe to the Bengal Tiger on three. Uh, leave a like, comment, share, subscribe down below, and we will talk to y'all later.